Well, I, I don't I don't think that it's the police that should be monitoring our social media as much as it is Big Brother? No, us. I think it's it's us. It's the parents. It's oh. the friends. It's the people that know them and call that shit out. And like So you're expecting you're expecting parents to turn their children in when their children threaten to kill people. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe say listen to it. <laughs> David Himmel, it's been quite the week for the news, and uh, you wrote a piece. Uh, what is it, Wednesday, about feeling, feeling like you wanted to be nihilistic, that uh, the world was coming to an end, and you were finding that either it was fear or, or fucking meaninglessness. And uh, then I followed that up uh, on Thursday with, or no, Saturday with a piece that was a case for optimism. Yeah, so my around question, the mass the mass shootings. Yeah, yeah. So my question is: the world's on fire. What do you think is the best approach? Nihilism, pessimism, or optimism? And how are we dealing with a lot of this? How are you dealing with a lot of this? I guess I'll ask. I know how I'm dealing with it. Well, I'm. I mean, you know, what I wrote in the piece was: I'm exhausted from living at the intersection of rage and sadness, and not being able to do anything about it. Um. And, you know, I, I ended by saying it's, you know, it's exhausting. And nihilism seems the only traffic light out of this intersection. Although there is fear because fear is no longer for the weak. It seems to be best used by the sensible. Perhaps this is nihilistic, but fear is all we have left. And, you know, to answer your question, what is the best approach? I think the best approach is optimism. But I'm allowing myself to feel the feelings to get to where I need to go. There's a journey I have to go through. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I keep coming back to, as I often do, that scene in the Avengers where they're all assembled and Banner shows up and Captain America says, all right, Bruce, it's time to get angry. And he says, that's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. And he turns into the Hulk and, you know, punches the, the big thing down. And that's, so I think the idea of taking that anger, that rage, once you can get past the nihilism of it, is holding on to that rage and turning that into the fuel that keeps you moving forward to the better, to the solution. And you know, so where am I right now? I'm still a little nihilistic. Um, you know, I we were at the 4th of July parade in Homewood, yeah. you know, South suburb. We get back from the, from the parade and we see on the news that there's the shooting in Highland park. I've got family up there. So I immediately text my cousin. Are you guys, are you guys there? Are you okay? Or are you up North at the, their cabin up North in Wisconsin? And my cousin, she was in Portland, Oregon with her husband. One of her kids was at summer camp. The other kid was up North with my aunt and uncle. So they were fine. Still, this is their neighborhood. It's, it's horrifying. They know my aunt and my cousin know one of the victims who died, I think through temple. Um, 
the married couple that left behind the two-year-old son, uh, the husband was a college friend of my other cousin, Seth. And so like, it's, <sighs> these things become worse when you are, you know, somebody who's like personally connected to it. I had a coworker who was there because after I, my cousin was okay, I texted my coworker who's got family up there. And I was like, are you at the parade? She would be there. And she was, and she was there when it happened. She had to pick up her two-year-old with an eight and she's eight months pregnant and get and like run for her fucking life with her family. And it's one of my things to do later. Which we'll talk about when we get to it, but um, it's just, it's, it's scary. And it's, and it's infuriating because it seems like this could have been this particular um, shooting in Highland park at a pretty good chance of being prevented for a lot of reasons, red flag laws, the way they use them, the way that they, I don't want to say the red the red flag laws failed us because I think that they function exactly as they were designed to. Yeah, but there's a loophole. But there's there's loopholes and there's nuance. We have to like be more flexible with the nuance around how we well the, the, keep the, an eye out for this shit. Yeah. Well, the difficulty, and I wrote about this on Thursday, was was I mean he told us what he was going to do. I mean, mm -hmm. and, both, and, and in fact, I did a little bit of research last week. Most of these mass shooters, especially when it's in schools or parades, or, you know, like a most of them have an online presence and tell you months and months in advance, yeah. this is what they're planning to do. They don't tell you where or what kind of weapon they're going to have, but they tell you this is what they're planning on doing. And this kid did that. Now, here's where it gets a little sticky because he legally, he bought he bought the guns legally. Everything uh, was by the book. Yeah, He was of age and... He, you know, uh, but uh, the, the, the laws for the red flags require the, the, the family members, they have to at least report, you know, he tried to commit suicide, he threatened to kill everybody in his family, and neither, both times the police were called, but neither time were the families willing to file a report. So when it came time for a background check, those things did not happen. The problem is, that if you take away the families, you know, if you take that away and you make it the purview of the authorities, you've now abridged that kid's constitutional rights. And that's sort of the inner, that's the reason the laws, the, the, the red flag laws have those loopholes is because you suddenly abridge, you give, you give the civil authorities far more um, authority over citizens and that can be abused, so that's why they chose to do it. So I guess my question is, um, and, and and this is one of the things that I've been, I, and I know you don't listen to Megan Downs, The Unspeakable, but she just had two a two-parter um, podcast. I really like her podcast. And she actually had uh, this older gentleman from, I think he lives in Montana, I think, but he used to be a Chicago cop, been in the military, this kind of thing, loves guns. Um, woman in Alabama who is an activist, an anti-gun activist. Well, they had joined a, a process a couple of years ago called Gun Talk. And Gun Talk was people on both sides of the issue of guns, people who love their guns and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, absolutely will fight for their Second Amendment rights, that kind of thing, and people who think that guns are just fucking wrong and should be uh, taken away and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
learn to have a conversation with each other and listen to each other. And then they did this. And, and then she had these two on to have this. And one of the things I thought was interesting, and I looked it up and I didn't realize is that there are background check laws. I mean, some of them weaker than others, but there are background check laws in every state of the union. And, yeah. um, and in fact, uh, you know, the, the one big thing, it's like, oh, gun shows, gun shows. No, the, the, they have background checks on those too. So, and his point consistently, his point consistently, which I had not really thought about, is that all the laws are there. We just don't enforce them. And if we don't enforce the laws, having more laws isn't going to solve the problem because they're just not going to get enforced. Well, using them the right way and using them in new, more effective ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, to, your, to your point about your, your piece from Thursday last week about, um, you know, telling us what you're doing. I mean, it, it's... It always seems so obvious after the fact. And, you know, we hear about it, it's like, Jesus, it was so obvious before. Who wasn't paying attention? Because who takes that shit seriously? Like, who's actually going to do this? And I think we collectively as a nation need to realize that the people that are telling us they're going to do this are actually going to do this. We have to start paying attention to that shit. But doing it with nuance, because there's a difference between a four-year-old or a five-year-old um, saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, uh, you know, that and then a history of bad behaviors and and violent behaviors and violent threats and things of that sort that this cremo kid was showing you know and if let's use my son as an example if if harry now at four years old starts talking about killing people and it's like okay you're four here that's not nice to talk about but that continues when he's seven and then when he's 15 like there's a history here and i need to start paying better attention and monitoring his social media whatever the fuck else and when he threatens things. I need to take it seriously because here's a quick story from my days as a, a little league champion. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a kid that I would, that I grew up with named Kazem Beg and Kazem Beg was this big talk. He was a six foot two inch pituitary nightmare. <laughs> and he was, he was, a, he was a bully. The guy was a fucking asshole. And he he was bigger than all. I mean, he was huge. Like he was six foot two, uh, all, all of our life, like all through junior high. He was just a huge guy and he was the pitcher and he threw fast and he was good. Um, and you kind of got scared going up to bat against him because if he were to go wild and he hit you, it would fucking hurt. And I took a lot of balls when I was at bat. I just, you know, and I would get on base and I would steal every fucking base. Cause you know, give me the opportunity. I'm fast. I'm small. I'm, you know, but one time, and for no reason that I can think of or recall, Cosm told me before the game began, he goes, I'm, I'm going to hit you in the head. I'm going to bean you in the head today. It's because you called Just, him a pituitary nightmare is what you called him, and he didn't know what that meant. That was like 30 years later. I'm doing that for the first time tonight. You know? no, that's, why, that's why he wanted to hit you in the head. But he didn't know that I felt that way about him at the time. I barely talked to the guy. Like, we weren't friends. It was no... He knew. Fuck, whatever. So... <laughs> we get up to, I get up to bat and I, instead of walking in front of the umpire into my batting box, my batter box, I walked around the backside of the umpire and I whispered to the umpire, uh, ump the pitcher threatened to bean me before the game. And he said, okay, I get up to bat and first throw what happens. Cosm throws a ball right at my fucking head. Just like he said he would. Not everybody's a liar. Some people say 
what they're going to do because they're going to do it. We have to start thinking of it that way. Yeah. You know, I think that if we do that, if we begin to, you know, uh, act on these red flag laws and these, and like do a better job of following through on things and have, uh, you know, law enforcement working together and following through on the history of complaints, even if they're not enough to arrest or whatever, like in the case of Cremo, they didn't have enough to arrest him when he was 19 or whatever, but like that shit still exists. And then if, I don't know, the state, whoever issues the FOID cards, if they had known about that, would they have still given it to him even with his dad's sponsorship? I, I don't know, but it seems like, no, we fucking shouldn't have. And, and this is, and, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, and this, I don't think it conflates two different issues. I think it's, it, it is a, a dichotomy. And I, uh, and I actually agree with the, the paradox that's created by this conversation is you don't have to have these conversations about how we, it, it's just like, you really have an anti-police thing. You really don't like the police. You don't want the police to have much authority. You want them to, you know, you, you, well, you know, but that, that is really, I want the police to get their shit together and well, actually serve and protect. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, 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 but, but, but your approach to that is, and I've read a number of pieces that you've written about how I hope my son never becomes a cop. And it's yeah. Really I don't want him to be a cop. Absolutely not. No. Cop. And, and there is a, there is that argument that, the police, you know, are, are too authoritarian. They're militarized, all this kind of stuff. But then on yeah. the flip side, what we're saying is they need more authority over our social media presence. Um, and if they're already pretty bad to begin with, do we really want them to have more? But one of the things, as, as of this recording, New York State just just added a red flag law that says if you get if you, that part of your background check has to be your social media. And that's probably going to be struck down. Well, I, I don't. I don't think that it's the police that should be monitoring our social media, as much as it is Big Brother. No, us. I think it's it's us. It's the parents. It's oh. the friends. It's the people that know them and call that shit out. And like, so you're expecting you're expecting parents to turn their children in when their children threaten to kill people. You think that's you think that's a, a feasible, reasonable approach to solving this problem is that, that that parents, when their kids lose their shit, and I know from being a teacher, you can have the biggest fucking bully in the world. Those parents think that kid is an angel. Um, I mean, clearly, so did Cremo's dad. He sponsored him exactly. to have to legally have guns, to legally so, buy so, guns and carry guns. Right now, so what you're saying is let's just admonish parents to be better parents. And that's never worked in the history of parenting because everybody thinks they're their own version of a good parent. Everybody. But there has to be some social responsibility of how, when we see this shit on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it is on social media of some kid threatening or making his manifest or whatever it, whatever it is that we need to acknowledge that and flag the like, Hey officer, I, or whoever, you know, I found this worth investigating. I don't think the police should be sitting there going through all of our shit, but if it's given to them, they should do something about it. Somebody has to give it to them. Well, I agree with that. And I, but I also agree that uh, what that also includes is every Karen who doesn't like black kids swimming in pools are going to flood 
911. I saw this kid and he wrote this thing and I felt threatened. And we, and then you have on the left side, uh, microaggression. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's harmed. I mean, it's just like the police. It's, it's not an easy job. It's not, I mean, you know, I don't think anything I'm going to say tonight is going to be like, oh, there's well, yeah. one thing that I might say tonight that I actually wrote in my piece that I think is like a, a, a solve, a really quick, easy, simple solve. Um, but I don't think it'll ever happen because it's, you know, you're fucking with American capitalism and it's gun culture. But, uh, you know, none of this is easy and there's no one answer for it, really. But, yeah, and if every Karen starts flooding 911, like that's that's the problem. And we'll have to figure out a way around that, too. Uh, but, you know, cops get reports from threats that turn out to be nothing all the time. Yeah, they also get calls on a regular basis that they want the cop nine one one. I read I read an article. This is years ago. I read about this, but I thought it was so fucking ridiculous of people who whose cable turned off calling nine one one. People who couldn't access, couldn't what get in the their house, calling nine one one. And at some point, we have to recognize either we want to say the police as an institution are bad. And we want to fund them less. Or we have to say, we want more and more. Because what you're suggesting is, I mean, because there's only so many hours in the day. And there's, you know, for there's 900,000, at the last count, 900,000 employed police officers of state, municipal, and federal lands across the country. 900,000. There are 323 million people that can call 911. That's not reasonable. That's not a reasonable thing unless you decide, hey, then let's military, let's just fucking fund, let's go from 900,000 officers to 5 million officers. No, I don't think that's it at all. And that's oh, that's I, not what I'm I, saying. I don't know how you solve I, that problem. I, I, I mean, and I, I don't want to get into the, the, I mean, I guess the police has something to do with this, but this is more than, a, a police issue. I, you know, I don't think that we, and I, I've said this before, you know, defunding the police is fucking stupid. Refunding the police is the way to go. Retraining yeah. the police, finding other ways to make the police, not a, a militaristic force, but a more of a social service. And there are, you know, s some cops, uh, deal with the crime and the guns and all that other shit. Some deal with investigating threatening social media stuff. I, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have the exact answer, but yeah. I, it's, it's, it's way more complicated than just, well, let's just put more cops on the street because well, uh, the cops on the street aren't doing the investigations. The, They're fucking pulling you over for tickets simple, and fucking with jaywalkers. Yeah, a simple solution is never going to fly um, because we are a country of 51 States who all have a certain amount of constitutional autonomy and but the simple solution is to have required federal standards, you know, because you, you have you have there are there are at least uh, last reading at least 25 states um, and their training period is between for cops like you pass you, know, you pass your whatever your exam and then you are trained between two weeks and a month. And that's like half the country. That's all the training. Yeah. Well, the way yeah. you solve that problem is you have a federal mandate that says all cops must be trained for six months. That's not going to fly. 
that's not going to fly because you've got 50 states and each state has a certain amount of autonomy. And if you look at how the statute goes down, that statute for is a state. It's like education. It is a state thing. So the yeah. only way the only way the feds get any kind of thing is that we'll give you money if you do it our way, which is how education works. We'll give you extra money, but only if you play ball with our federal mandates. And that doesn't work. Well, okay. So here's here's one solution I think is yeah, yeah, I'm, quite, I'm, quite brilliant. And this I wrote this in my piece. I was talking to a friend of mine over text and about the shooting because she was like she texted me. She's like, "Are you okay?" You know, cause she knows it was Chicago and or Chicago area. And one of the things she said was, uh, when I took my 200, this is a quote, when I took my 200 hour yoga teaching, yoga teacher training, we all had to get liability insurance because we could potentially hurt someone and they could sue. How is it that a low level stretch is more dangerous than an assault weapon? Make these lunatics pay for insurance when they buy a gun and make the insurance companies pay for when they murder people. And I think that would give us real change. If when you get... You, when you buy your gun legally, you get you have to get. In fact, before you can buy the gun, you have to show proof of insurance and proof of training and uh, education. You know, whatever that may be. So, if you buy that AR-15 and you use it to kill people, or you buy that fucking nine millimeter, that you know, twenty-two wheel gun, six shooter wheel gun, and you kill somebody with it, the insurance company has to cover. All the costs that come with that, the wrongful death suits, the the families, whatever the fuck it is, because you start fucking with that. And I guarantee you, the the government or some, something will change because the insurance companies, as powerful as they are, will not stand for having to pay out all that shit. There is one major problem with that argument. I, I mean, I, I think it would I think it would solve the problem, but it'd never get enacted because Owning a gun is a constitutional right. You cannot monetarily penalize somebody for a constitutional right. It's just not, you can't. No, but you can require them to get insurance for safety purposes. You have to do that with your home, with yeah. your car, with and your boat. You don't have a constitutional right to having a home, a car, or a boat. You have a constitutional right to arm yourself. That's the argument. And you can still arm yourself. You just need to do the and if you, things that are safe, that are safe for the public good. Thing, David, you have free speech, but only if you have insurance for it. That doesn't work. Well, how do you ensure speech? I mean, that... Well, you don't get to go on Twitter unless you have insurance. You don't get to write something publicly. You don't get to stand in the street and declare your opinion without liability insurance. And the reality is that's, that's totally different than no, it's not. murdering somebody or hurting no, somebody with a gun. I'm sorry. It's a constant. That's the argument. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, but the constitutional right as defined in the, in the constitution. No, I understand that. But why can't the, with a constitutional right, why can't there be things in place to help keep the public safe well the thing or, or to is, provide like i have the right to do this i'm going to do it responsibly and 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 ultimately that becomes why, why does the constitutional right prevent and, and again that again i go back to enforcement if if law enforcement's not going to enforce the law i mean you know the thing about it is if if law enforcement on, on, a, on a regular basis if the nine if six hundred thousand of the nine hundred thousand police just said, I think it's bullshit that they make you have insurance to drive cars. And they decided they were just going to turn a blind eye and never even ask. 
um, then that law is meaningless. And if you look at the set 900,000 people that are, are, they are gun guys. They like their guns. They do not prosecute gun Police also, I think across the, the majority, like across the board, as like the, the full police force in America, like they're fans of taking assault rifles, assault weapons. Oh, off yeah, the most market. cops like, don't They want, want that shit off the street. Citizens, they don't want citizens to have uh, semi automatic weapons. They don't want it. They don't want to be outgunned, for <laughs> one. But yeah, yeah well, they, yeah. you know, it the, the, cuts the, back on crime. Again, the thing is, we could do that. And it would still only minimally reduce gun crime and gun death in this country. Because gun crime and gun death, most, yeah. Most of the gun crime are done with, most mass murderers or mass, mass shootings are done with legally purchased weapons. Yeah. The reality is, it's easy to get an illegal weapon. It's really easy. To of get course, it. yes. And, it's, and it's illegal to do everything. That's that argument. Like, well, if I'm, you know. But the argument why should. Criminals are going to do crime. Whether yeah, they're going to do crime, tell them they can't. If 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 the idea is, but we still put people. things in place to try and prevent that or punish. Well, you know, to me, like, all right. This is what I would say. Arguably, um, if you look at um, if you look at the gun figures, um, you know that over half of gun deaths and physical injuries um, are suicides, and right. in fact. If you look at attempted suicides, 96% using a gun are successful. You know how successful suicides not using a gun are? 4%. That's how many times when you try to drown yourself or hang yourself, 4% actually accomplish it. 96% accomplish it with a gun. Sure. So you have a lot of illegal guns and you have a lot of mental health issues that are contributing to it. It's not just bad actors getting up on of a course roof. not no of, of course it's not the second major cause is urban it is and, and i'm not making a black on black it's, crime no it's a socioeconomic not. thing absolutely this is an urban across the united states neighborhoods that contain just 1.5 percent of the population accounted for 26 percent of gun homicides those are poverty stricken areas you look at chicago yeah there are literally there's like three square miles that have all the gun deaths and the rest yeah. are fine and that is an issue that i think has more to do with the war on drugs yeah I, I fully believe if you were to just simply across the board say we're ending the prohibition against drugs if you want to overdose go fuck yourself rock yourself on you know if you, you know did, 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 we're going to yeah. regulate it we're going to make it legal no, number one 80 percent of police budgets across the country are spent on on, on drug crimes you yeah. Number two, a good portion. I know I'm that's that's the refunding of police. Yeah. That I would, yeah. you know, yeah. as an and, example. And number yeah. two, uh, uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know the numbers. I haven't looked them up, but I, I'm 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 recalling that a huge percentage of our incarceration rate is drug related crime. So those people are no longer there. So that eliminates that, and also a great deal of racial disparity in those inequities. Um, you end you end up uh, solving gun crime. You solve. Uh, the policing, because now they have more money to actually do things like answer the nine one one calls for the cable TV. Um, it's all there, you know. And, and I think the easiest solution has nothing to do with guns. It has everything to do with why people use guns. And I think one of the problems that I'm, I'm having with our uh, our discourse is that we are so focused on the clickbait and on the outrage 
thing and on the easy bad guy that we don't really examine. And I think that's what an optimist does, is you take a look at history, you take a look at what has happened in the past, where failures occurred, where successes occurred, and then you start to really look at how do I use my shovel to actually fix the problem? And the problem is not as much as we hate them. It's not that we have too many guns. It's that we have too many reasons to use the guns. We need to get rid of the biggest criminal enterprise in this country is the prohibition on recreational drugs. We need to get rid of that prohibition. Agreed. And there yep. will be less need. There will be less poverty. There will be less incarceration rate. There will be less gun crime. There will be more money for police to actually train and be and, and, and be you know compensated appropriately. Civil servants. All this kind of stuff. It solves everything. It's a super simple fix. And I would love Well, I'm, but I'm it's almost, not a super simple fix. Well, because I'm I mean of the point where I don't give a shit who it is, whatever candidate for any kind of office running if they're if not in their if they're plank, I don't care if it's I love Nazis. If their plank is I'm getting rid of the war on drugs, I'm voting for it because that is, in my opinion, the single biggest blight on our country right now is that war on drugs because it's a failure. I, I think it's been a blight on our country since it was enacted in '71. Oh, yeah, Nixon kicked it off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. Like, I'm not in favor of getting rid of all guns, but I don't think I'd be mad at that. You know, oh, I wouldn't I, be mad I, at it, but there's half the country that would be absolutely right. Out. So right. we got to make well, I mean, half the country is absolutely outraged that we have to get that people are asking to get rid of assault weapons. You know, like yeah, yeah. why can't you buy a bazooka? Why can't I walk into a gun store and buy a bazooka? Because it's fucking insane. It's a weapon of war. Why can't I, why isn't there a tank dealership next to the Volvo dealership on Irving park? Because you can't buy a fucking tank because it's a weapon of war. I, you know, so the assault rifles, get them the fuck out of here. The same, put them in the same category as bazookas and tanks. And to your point, like, yeah, the nine millimeters are doing a shitload more killing. Way more killing, yeah. Than the, than the mass shootings. And I, and I get that and I respect that. I think that the solve for those, you know, the inner city, like the issues we have in Chicago and the mass shootings are two different issues that require very different solutions. And I agree. Because the cause of them yeah, are, you know, because like, yeah, if, if, I, if I get my druthers and all assault weapons, assault rifles are, you know, taken off the market and they only come through illegally now, yeah. I think that would help. But we'll still have the inner city. Well, I mean, we'll still it, would, have it would literally what happens in Chicago every weekend. Only reduce gun deaths by about 10%, which doesn't seem yeah. Like it's it, because the guns aren't the problem as much as we don't like the guns and exactly what you said i think they're part of the problem well no i think but there's but that's the thing it's this is why it's so complicated because it's much bigger than just a lone nut with no oh, yeah a, it's way bigger a fucking big blasting cannon yeah, on his shoulder yeah, no, you know I, absolutely, I agree with you i agree with you well don't be neil um, yeah what's that i said don't be nihilistic be optimistic look man i'll, I'll get there I will get there. I just, I've, you know, I, I go through, I spend more time in my feelings. I'm a slow eater. You know, you gobble your shit up. All right, great. What, what's dessert? And I'm like, I'm still enjoying cutting my salad into bite-sized pieces. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a little slow with this shit. I will get through it. I know you will. But, you know, 
The other thing is like the impact of the mass shooting versus the, the horrible shit. And I don't want to belittle the terror that people just a few you know blocks south of me um, live with every single fucking day, which is what the Highland Park people experienced. Well, one day it's very interesting it's too. a terror that stays with you is that you had how many people died in highland park in that parade seven 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 and like 30 injured or yeah, something and, yeah and it made national news and i remember yeah. when it was happening it was just you know it's like 9 11 it was like hours and hours yeah. and hours of footage yeah. the same fucking day 160 black people were killed by guns in the south side of chicago and nobody fucking reported that at all. And yeah, there nobody was not like, oh, and look at this, this thing that is seventy five times worse. Right. But it didn't happen to a rich neighborhood of white people. And I, well, and it, I think look, that's I mean, we have the, to address the Buffalo shooting. It's it's yeah. not just it's not just the rich neighborhood. I mean, there no. there's something to be said about that. But Buffalo, where that happened, that wasn't a rich neighborhood. Yeah. That wasn't a rich white you know, predominantly Jewish neighborhood. No, that got plenty of national news. We're still talking Uvalde, not Uvalde. a rich, exactly. you know. Well, I think um, to me, it but the issue, the issue is like, we don't, we as a country for its inception, you know, don't care what happens in the poor neighborhoods when it happens among themselves. When it's like, because oh, those gun deaths for the most part are like, individual beefs and yet plenty of straight bullets that kill grandmothers and babies yeah, and that's horrible, horrible shit. And I'm not saying that gang members deserve to be shot. Like I'm not Titanic, saying that at all, but it's, it's more contained and controlled in to us outsiders. It feels that way. That's not okay. No, it's but not. I think that's what, that's the difference between 160 black people dead. Like it happens in Chicago versus, Oh my God, a mass shooting. Yeah. Well, both, Equally and, as bad or again, what I terrible say, in their own right. It, it, it reminds me of, and I wrote a piece about this a long time, or not a long time ago, but a while back, that basically 3,000 people died in 9-11. And that 3,000 people, which 3,000 people die in car accidents every like five minutes. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's not like that death, those deaths were any worse or better or even more deserving or not than anybody else dying in the country for a criminal offense. But that happened, and because it was televised ad nauseum, it spurned the 1% doctrine of Dick Cheney, it spurned a, a, a war on terror, it spurned the TSA and the Homeland Security Office, which are two of the worst run, most mm -hmm. government overreach fucking, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was all because it was if it bleeds, it leads news coverage into it's a hours. different kind of fear that that public mass in a moment, a bunch of people How, are dead. Are you kidding me? How is it a different kind of fear when you're a, when you're just like you're just a black grandmother in 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 uh, Woodlawn and every single day there was a story that story that I read a black during Fourth of July, um, this older black woman, probably in her 70s, um, heard fireworks going off and she wanted to come out and tell the kids that they needed to keep it down she walked out a stray bullet hit her in the fucking head and killed her dead she lived with that every single day you cannot tell me 
that that person living in that neighborhood where people are shot consistently and every single day is somehow better or more normal or fine in comparison to a fear of a neighborhood that suddenly had a mass shooting. No, it's it, because it's the complacency that we live with of, well, we expect that shit to happen in those neighborhoods. We don't expect it to happen in downtown Manhattan or where, wherever the fuck, or in Lillard, you know, Man wherever Bay the towers Bay, were, right? In the late Bay in Las Vegas. No, I get it. It's, I it's the it. shock. It's the shock to borrow a, a Bush, you know, George Bush, Dick Cheney phrase. It's the shock and awe of it. Yeah. That's what makes that's what makes it lead versus the well, just another day in the hood, you know, which is not okay. It's not okay at all. It is not okay at all. No, and so what I'm saying is, it's not the guns, it is the culture, and that doesn't mean we have yeah. to burn the culture down. It means we have to solve the problems that are actually the problems rather than bandaging things that we don't like. I don't like guns, sure. but I know from the statistics that the guns are not the problem. But and if, if we got not, the guns off the street, well, I mean, no, the like, I'm, I'm starting to lean David, more toward get rid of all of them because if we yeah, look at David, that you, Japan I, and Canada, and, like this shit doesn't happen elsewhere. It, it does happen elsewhere. It just doesn't help happen to these degrees. But I will tell you again, get rid of all the guns makes you feel better, but you know, objectively, yeah. it will never happen. So what is even the point of mentioning that you know what i mean it's sort of like saying yeah i think no one should lie ever again god damn it yeah. let's just do that that's never gonna happen it's not pragmatic it's not feasible so take it off the table is even a point of discussion we're not going to get rid of all the guns it's, it's never like the, going to happen. The, old, the old david cross bit where he's talking about the war on terror he's like what the fuck is that it's like having a war on jealousy you know like you can't yeah it's not the guns. We've got to find the problem underneath it's why we want to use the guns, why the guns are utilized in the way they're utilized and for what purpose. If you can take away, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If the choice was, let's get rid of the war on drugs, get rid of 60% of gun deaths in the country, but mostly in poor urban areas, but we're still going to have mass shooters with AR-15s, I'd take that. I'd take that over getting rid of the mass shooters because you know what? Less people die in mass shootings than they do in everyday drug crime by like by a margin of six to one. Yeah. Here's the thing. And this, I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like uh, a systemic racist baby boomer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I don't like it. I'm just going to say it. You, you don't expect to be shot along with several other people, shot to death along with seven other people while others are injured when you're grocery shopping or going to church or going to school. Unless you live in a poor There is a chance. There is a, but you might, when you live in a poor neighborhood, you might expect to get shot. Like that's, that's the thing that's also the problem that just adds to the, and the larger why, problem. That's why yeah, I it's, if we were if we were to trade all of the inner city urban violence and the gun violence and the random shootings and all of that gun death, if we were to if we were to say let's get rid of that, but that means we get 40 more mass shootings every year in the country. Uh, fucking I would say go for that because you're still gonna be killing less people that way. And ultimately, in a pragmatic sense, 
If the goal is less gun deaths, then it doesn't matter the color of the skin. It doesn't matter the socioeconomic thing. Less deaths is less. And if you can find so if a we way, want, I'm saying if we want to be a really equitable country, we need to take all the guns out of the poor neighborhoods and let all neighborhoods have access to being shot to death. Yeah. I don't even think it's about equity. Actually, I don't think it's about equity. I think it's about eliminating. Because the thing about it is, if you look every demographic study and every sociological study about this says it is not about black and white. It is about poverty. It's yeah. all about poverty. And you have more concentrated poverty in urban areas than you have in rural areas in terms of concentration. The biggest reason that people are poor in those urban areas is the war on drugs. Well, it's the war on drugs. It's the that this country hates poor people, not just black people, poor people. Just all poor people. We hate, yeah. we hate white people, poor people too. It's, you know, it's things like Rahm Emanuel when he was mayor of Chicago, shutting schools down, taking away education, which well, takes away opportunity, which it was shutting schools you know, down during COVID. I mean, yeah. Poor people got fucked hardcore. I mean, in ways that they may never recover from. Oh, just just take your classes online. Motherfuckers, we don't have internet. We don't have the fucking internet or computers. Yeah, I know. All right. right. And now, worst hack of the news. Your first headline this week, Don, my friend, is meet the new dominant coronavirus strain, Omicron, BA.5. So? It's, it's more... So what? Immune... To protection? Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. At this point, um, and next month, you owe me $100. Um, I know. Because I still have well, it. we'll see. I, I st- uh, yeah, if I get it in the next two weeks. I got like three weeks. Yeah. In Texas, if I get it in the next three weeks, which is very unlikely because I never leave my fucking house. Um, for those, but hang on. But for those, for dear listener, if you're not sure why I would owe him 100 bucks, yeah. if you've forgotten, apparently, because I forgot. Yeah. Apparently, I said on the Apecast. On the Apecast, I've got to You will have coronavirus in a year, and I in said I'll bet you a hundred dollars. I don't. I do not contract the infection, or the virus, for the next year and that we know of. Like you have not come down actually sick with it. You may have had it, been asymptomatic. No, I've been tested. I, I'm not going to get into I've that shit. I've been tested on a on a fairly regular basis. I do the tests, and yeah, I have right, never yeah. tested positive once. So. I mean, look, I'll give you your money. It's there you go. Yeah. fine. But, yeah. Trust me, I need it right now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my, my reaction to that is, uh, so. I know. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. Okay. The sky did not fall. We overreacted in a lot of ways. We now have a, a, a better no, understanding. I don't think we overreacted. I think that oh, we I did what we, we needed did. to do. And we're at a point now were, where it no, is safer. Do you, do you remember having to disinfect your groceries? Do you remember? Okay, yes. I've forgotten about, do yes, you I forgot about that insanity. Do you remember yeah. that the masks that they insisted you wear, were, unless they were N95s, were almost wholly ineffective? And they finally admitted that? We overreacted. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it was not because we didn't know what the fuck we were getting into. But we overreacted. If you look at the numbers, the states that had full lockdowns had the same basic number of cases of the states that did not have any lockdowns. I mean, I'm more forgiving to that and not call it overreacting. I mean, there was some, like looking back, like that was fucking stupid. I thought it was stupid at the time, Katie. Be like, so, don't put the food on the table. We have to strain. Oh God. Okay. But yeah. Vaccine. I'm done. 
yeah, we're 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 getting closer to herd immunity. We're getting closer to endemic. I think um, it is an endemic. I mean, it, it, literally, if you look at the New York Times numbers of cases, it's hovered on a hundred thousand a day, every day for the last yeah. four months. It, it's not. It's not. It, it that's endemic. More people get the flu than that. So, all right, your next headline. The Great Salt Lake hits a new low. Utah's Great Salt Lake is uh, in trouble, as most <laughs> big water puddles are yeah. in, the, in the West and Southwest. Yeah, well, I, I love, I actually think Bill Maher's solution is the best solution. Um, we just have to figure out how to make, how people can make money doing it, is that we've got fucking oil pipelines from the East Coast to the West Coast going all over the place. It fucking floods on the East Coast, and it's a drought on the West Coast. Just fucking run some water this way. You'll have less flood water, and we'll have water in our fucking reservoirs. I mean, it's not that yeah. complicated. So, it, the, the thing that always gets in our way is, yeah, how can we monetize it, or how are we going to keep from losing money? Yeah, and that's, well, I mean, that's, that's all it is. It's all money. It's about the climate change issue. I don't give a fuck if you believe the science or not. Yelling at people that it's that doom is coming and that they're all morally responsible for it doesn't work. What works is, hey, here's how you make a lot of fucking money fixing the climate. And that is doable across the board, but we're so angry and so strident that we that, that we can't possibly I mean, I'm telling you again. If if the if we could figure out say hey Exxon and Chevron and all these oil companies, we're going to subsidize you to go all green energy. We're going to subsidize you to to slowly wean us off oil. You're going to get all of the contracts. You're going to get the electric contracts and the nuclear contracts and the solar fucking power con. We're going to give it all to you. You're going to make so much fucking money getting rid of oil. Well. Fucking A, I don't care if the bad guys win as long as the climate doesn't die. Yeah. It's not about being right. It's about getting the problem solved. And we don't want to solve the problem. We just want to be right. And, and that's going to kill us. I mean, that goes back to my uh, thing about the guns. Like, as a society, we need to look out. And if we see something, say something. Look out for each other and take responsibility. And we're asking the same thing of people is to be good Social partners <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> good, good humans to each good. other. Everybody's got a different perception of what yeah. means and what bad right. is. So you can't leave it subjectively up to the citizenry. You have to have concrete law, concrete solutions, and then make sure that those things get enforced, or it or it just doesn't happen. That's just yeah. and that's any country in the world. But I mean, you know, communist China, they just say you're going to do it this way. Or we're going to fucking, you know eliminate yeah. you disappear you so there's a new movie out uh came out a couple of weeks ago light this is three okay uh the new movie Lightyear, uh which is the buzz Lightyear of toy story fame uh the backstory uh well tim allen of 1990s fame uh is critical of the new Lightyear film uh that had next to nothing to do with him he was expressing uh annoyance, displeasure that he wasn't asked to be involved in the film. And apparently Tom Hanks now has come out and said he doesn't understand why he wasn't involved in the film. Well, and 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 I, I haven't seen it. Um, I was very excited about it for a while. And then I heard what it actually was about. 
And what I understand is that it's not about the Toy Story toys. This is the movie that Andy saw that made him want to buy the toy, which then it makes sense that Tim Allen doesn't voice it. But Jesus Christ, it's a fucking kids movie. Why make this complicated Inception style fucking convoluted bullshit? Just it, just make it Buzz Lightyear and have Tim Allen do it and make it the fucking toy. What's the I get it. But this it, again, it's it's sort of like in my opinion, it'd be like doing a Marvel movie and saying, we're going to do Iron Man and it's Tony Stark, but it's not Robert Downey Jr. And we're not going to explain why, but no, it's not really. This is the movie about Iron Man mm -hmm. that Tony Stark financed in the MCU. It's like, nobody's going to go fucking see that. That's too complicated for a really simple premise change. So I, I think Tim Allen is 100% right. I think the reason they did that is because he's a Republican shill, and they didn't want a Republican shill. <laughs> I think that's exactly why they decided because it because it makes no sense to make it this complicated. It's a Pixar movie. It should not be this complicated to understand when you take your kid to see the fucking movie. And yeah. the kid does if you can't explain it in a sentence to a kid, and the kid doesn't get it, they ain't gonna go see it. And the box office is showing that nobody's going to see this movie. Well, well, we'll find out because Harry loves the Toy Story films. Oh, yeah. Loves Buzz Lightyear. He's got, you know, Buzz Lightyear pajamas. Oh, he loves to play and he pushes the button and all the shit. He's not going to know it's not Tim Allen. He didn't give a well, shit. Well, I'm, I'm curious because I, because he watches a lot of Toy Story. All and right. We're going to go see Lightyear and he's very excited to see Lightyear. He doesn't, I don't think he understands that it's. Yeah. Well, nobody understands. He, he has asked me, he's like, why does, he has asked me, like, why does Buzz look different? And I was like, oh, because he's. Because it's a different kind of movie. I don't remember what my answer was, but we'll see what kind of questions he asks. Like he doesn't sound like Buzz Lightyear because Harry's not an idiot. No, this was a bad yeah. movie precept concept, and and they did not roll it out well, and they didn't explain it well. It's too complicated. And when you're taking a beloved character from a franchise and then just arbitrarily changing it mm. for some bullshit reason, you're not going to not going to succeed. Money. Yeah, you're not going to succeed. So, yeah, that's my thought on Lightyear. I'll probably see it once it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, all right, headline four. Bette Midler is transphobic. She's not. Bette Midler, Bette Midler, was, <laughs> Bette Midler was more LGBTQ in the early days of bathhouses when she, she was the, the, you know, no. she was like the Judy Garland of her day. And yeah. so she is not transphobic. What she is, is she is just like J.K. Rowling is not transphobic. It's that that you know if you're if, and no you're not getting rid of the women the word women but when you have NPR using birthing persons instead of women, then eventually yeah. it starts to become an issue and women who are focused on women's rights and not the two like three or four transgender men that exist in the world that they that, that somehow we're going to include them. It's not that it's anti-inclusive. It's that women have been fighting for fucking rights for generations, and right now, we just had the biggest right, the biggest victory women's rights ever created other than getting the right to vote and own property. Yep. Roe v. Wake has been overturned. Now is not the time. Now is not the time for the transphobic throwout. Bette Midler is not transphobic, neither is Macy Gray. There you go. I was gonna ask about Macy Gray next, okay. All right, 
Uh, headline five. The Pope has plans to include more women in church business, like covering up kitty rape. Or, I mean, um, take more leadership positions, like leading the Department for Catholic Education and Culture. So, progressive Pope Papa Francis is uh, bringing chicks into it. I love it because it'll screw the Catholic Church up beyond recognition, and eventually it will die out. I, 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 most I of, think it's most of the Catholic faith is based on based on subjugating women. So right. to have women right. still be in charge of things means <laughs> that the very precepts that make the Catholic Church the Catholic Church will be completely eradicated over the course of two generations. And that means the Catholic Church is no longer, it's just now, it's slowly going to be just become a bowling league. And that's cool. I don't well, like I got to give, I mean, I got to give it to, to Pope Francis. I think he is like a, a really good person. I don't think that a lot of the other popes were good people. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I don't think pious, sure. But good people? Nope. I don't think most devote devoted Catholics are terribly good people. I think people that go to Catholic church and, you know, go on Sunday and do the sacraments, that kind of stuff. I can admit, but I'm sure there are plenty of them. They're nice. But the ones that are like rabid, like priests. Yeah. Not so, not so into that. I mean, I, I've known a lot of priests and most of them. I'm sure they're I've really enjoyed, but well, yeah. And I've met some Mormons and, and I've met. It's like, it's the same thing as the, science like, yeah. the system is the problem. And we've got Pope Francis who's finally in charge and he's making changes. I think it's great. I'm not a member you know, of the Catholic yeah. church, so I don't really give a shit, but I think it's a good thing for the Catholic church because it really does. Yeah. It really does overturn so much of their doctrine. And I like yeah. that. Um, all right. Final headline this week. The Justice Department sues Arizona over requiring proof of citizenship to vote. Have you seen any of the debates in Arizona? Have you seen any of the no. debates in Arizona? No. I'm telling you, it is, it's the most screwball fucking state I've ever seen. I mean, I mean, the thing about it is, it's saying something to find a state that is more backwards and more fucked up than like Mississippi or Alabama. But Arizona's got them. Arizona's, they're fucking crazy. They're nuttier than a bunch of shithouse rats. I'm telling you, they've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, the, Arizona just came out with a law that says that you cannot film police, um, in, but you, you have to be eight feet away. Like, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? First of all, who's counting the eight feet? Second of all, the cops are just going to say you're within eight feet. We arrest you. I mean, this is the stu this is the most ridiculous yeah. attempt at controlling the narrative, and that's all they're doing. Now, I think yeah. I, I think man, I'll tell you what. Looking at where I was going to move, Arizona was among the last places, only only eclipsed by Florida. I wouldn't live in Arizona. I mean, I've I've had an issue with Arizona since I got arrested. I wasn't arrested, but detained in Tucson years ago. I think I've told that story and I could do that another time, but no, fuck that place. Yeah. Although as I was reading this story, I couldn't get my head around what the issue was exactly. Like the brains are in a, if, if you're going to vote, you should be a citizen and to prove that you're a citizen, I don't care how you do it, but like, yeah, some proof that you're you, like I have to show my ID when I vote yeah. here. That's fine. It's me. I'm, I'm legit. That's all we're asking for, it seems. Yeah. Well, that's not so, what Arizona's asking for. That's yeah, what I, I couldn't make sense of what they were 
Well, that's Arizona, thing is, like, there's, uh, this law was written, I swear to God, you know, that's one of the things you read. I read Screen Rant a lot, you know, and yeah. it's interesting to me because I've applied for freelance writing for Screen Rant and they always say no. And then I read the stuff in Screen Rant and it's like, this shit is written by a fourth grader. This stuff sucks. <laughs> if you've even bothered to look at the Arizona bill, it looks like it was written by like like a, a, a retarded eighth grader. I mean, it's really bad. Dan Brown decided uh -oh. to take a break from the Da Vinci Code and wrote this bill. It is so poorly written. <laughs> it's so full of holes. And that's why that's why they, it's a problem because there's so many holes in it. It's just rife for abuse. It's just rife for it. it, it it's what it's built for is to be abused. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing to do this week is to read. Uh, this is in The Guardian. It's by Lawrence Douglas. It's an opinion. The U.S. Supreme Court is turning the Constitution into a suicide pact. Mm. Interesting take on it is, yeah. what's happening with um, the three branches of government right now and how the Supreme Court is kind of has the bully pulpit at the moment. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a good read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My first thing is also a read. It is in the, and then you're going to laugh at the, the website. I just think it's funny because I read this once in a while. It is artofmanliness.com. Okay. Artofmanliness.com. The article is how John Stuart Mill got over his existential crisis, and you can too. <laughs> um, and it talks about uh, <laughs> teptic and ateptic uh, behaviors. And teptic are sort of like goal-oriented behaviors. And there's, you know, it's like, I've got this goal. And if you focus too much on teptic behaviors, then you're constantly disappointed because you constantly are completing a task that you need to add more ateptic things, which have no goal to them, like smelling flowers or seeing a movie or taking a walk, that you've got to balance those out. But it's a good, it's, a, it's an interesting article. I didn't know this about John Stuart Mill. It talks a little bit about him uh, kind of figuring his shit out as he got older. And it's good. It's good. It's, wor it's worth reading. All right. Uh, <clears throat> my next thing uh, is... No, you know what? I'm going to cancel this one out and switch it up. Last moment, Audible. Uh, it's a watch. Uh, this is on HBO Max. It is called Roadrunner. It is a documentary about Anthony Bourdain. Okay, yes, yes. I was like, uh, uh, yeah, yes, phenomenal. So good. Yeah. So good. And I didn't know this. Have you watched it yet? Yes, yes. It's so I didn't know about, like, his end and, like, what was going on in his personal life. But it sounds like the way that the, the documentary presents it is, like, this chick did him wrong and he did not take it well. Well, that's yeah, and it's definitely skewed in that direction. That that is an arguable point, but yeah, you know, yeah. I saw so it's point. it's it's a little like I kind of got a feeling like, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you yeah. can't you can't put a man's suicide all on this well, I mean, fucking around on him. I mean, it, you have you have two two camps, two camps. It's sort of like uh, it, I, I would argue that it's very much like the Woody Allen thing, where you have one camp they're going, no, he didn't do it, and another camp saying he totally did it. And depending on who makes the documentary, that's going to be the lead. Well, there are plenty of people saying Ajar Argento completely fucked him, and that's why he killed himself, and they believe it. 
boom, there are uh, uh, an equal number of people who are like, no, he had other things going on. She didn't really help, but you can't blame it on her. And I, I think that's more what it was. Is it was like she was the straw that broke the camel's back. I think that he was kind of in a in a fading place. I mean, as the documentary shows, and as we've known yeah. from his reading, and yeah. if you know him, he's a dark dude. I mean, he's very much that Hunter Thompson. Yeah, you know, who's I mean, he writes a lot like Thompson. He's talked about how you know Thompson is a favorite author of his. Um, but yeah, like. I feel like with Anthony Bourdain, like he was going to off himself at some point in some way, whether when he was a junkie by an accidental overdose or purpose, you know, purposeful overdose. What was the thing that finally clicked the switch for him? It seems it was this. This relationship. Relationship. So, yeah, yeah, but a great documentary. And just a reminder, like, fuck, man, read his shit. Like, go back, watch his shows. Like, I need to dive into it because what a brilliant yeah, really interesting uh, um, American uh, an icon. Icon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My second thing is also on HBO Max. Uh, I wanted to see it when it came out in theaters. I waited until it came out on HBO Max, uh, starring Anya Taylor Joy um, and a number of other people. And it is called it's Edgar Winter's Last Night in Soho. And at first blush, it's not the kind of movie you and I would go, hey, yeah, let's go see this. It's about a young British girl who goes to London to be a fashion designer. And she loves the 60s. And all of a sudden, she starts seeing Sandy, a character that lived in the 60s. And she looks in the mirror and sees Sandy instead of herself. And she starts living through Sandy's eyes. And you find out that Sandy was murdered. And she, it, 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 it's, it's a very engaging thriller. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very unusual. And that's why I liked it, just because I had not seen a story told like this before. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. Last Night in Soho, HBO Max. Okay. And my final thing uh, this week is a read. Uh, this is an InStyle magazine. Uh, you can find it online. Uh, this was written by... Ellen Miller Gilchrist, who is my coworker friend who was at the, the parade in Highland Park when this shit happened. Uh, the headline is, we were lucky, one mother's experience at the Highland Park parade. And, you know, it's heart-wrenching because it's a, it's a first-person account of this terrible thing. I'm a big fan of, you know, therapy through art. As you know, like write write it out, get it out there, tell your story for other people to cry with you, or learn something new, or learn how to deal with it. You know, whatever the whatever the t- the takeaway is. So she she t- in her story she tells the story of what you know what happened that they were there and how she's like, um, uh, what does she say like that she kept checking like oh here it is a jack her two year old was clutching his new beach ball and I couldn't see his face. This is as they're running away. So I kept moving it, moving the beach ball to make sure he was alive. Oh. That's a fucking crazy, That's a crazy thing to have to, yeah. you know. But she also, and this isn't, she ties this thing up with, it's not just about the mass shooting or this particular mass shooting. Um, because she says, but we all know mass shooting can happen anywhere, anytime, but honestly never happened. I could imagine it could happen to me. Um, but here we are. In addition to the seven lives lost in Highland Park, nine people were fatally shot in Chicago over the holiday weekend. Across the country, 220 people died from gun violence between Friday and Monday. 
220 in communities everywhere. No one is safe. We can't keep living like this. We can't keep dying like this. So she makes this point. It's not just mass shootings. It's yeah. not just that Highland Park thing. Yeah. This is like we were talking about earlier. So it's it's a really touching um, article and it's really well written from a very smart person who lived this really fucked up uh, yeah. thing. And on a flip side, my third thing is, are you familiar with Caitlin Flanagan? Fl- Caitlin Flanagan? I'm familiar with Brian Flanagan. No. Uh, Caitlin Flanagan is a writer. She's one of my favorite writers in the Atlantic. She writes for the New York Times. She's oh, a- I know Caitlin Flanagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant yes. writer. Um, yes. She went and saw Top Gun Maverick and mm-hmm. wrote a piece called In the Atlantic, Hell Yeah, Tom Cruise. And I did read that. Yep. Yeah, it's a really fun <laughs> piece. It kind of fits. Uh, Walter Kern uh, wrote, I can't remember what he wrote it for, but he basically wrote a piece, I might have been a Substack, um, basically in defense of having fun. And it's about he and his wife, Amanda Fortini, going to, they live in Montana, and they went to see Top Gun Maverick in 4D. And he didn't know what the fuck 4D was. It's basically the old yeah. name, he's William Castle, where they sit and there's air effects in your face when they're flying, uh-huh. water effects, and all that stuff. And at first he was annoyed by it, but his wife was having so much goddamn fun, having air blown on her and the seats shake and shit like that, that he started yeah. having fun. And it's a whole defense of just fucking having some fun. And I, that's what I really liked about Caitlin Flanagan's piece, Hell Yell Tom Cruise, is that it's like, this is not my kind of fucking movie. But God damn, hell yeah, Tom Cruise. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the piece. and uh, Just fucking have fun. Yeah, yeah. Some, some movies are just... Just, you gotta... Have, I mean, gotta give it to Tom Cruise. Like, he just wants you to have fun. Enjoy the fucking movies. Just, yeah, well, the, the, have you seen it? Not yet. I'm, I'm behind. I need to she see that. I need to see... He mentions this in the article, but I love it, is right before the movie starts... It's just Tom Cruise sitting in a theater looking at you, not in makeup. It's just Tom Cruise. And he says, thank you for coming to see this movie in a theater. Thank you. We made this for you. I mean, it's, it's, a re- and it's very earnest. I mean, it's, yeah. it could have been a canned thing like the but to Cole Kidman commercials about going in the theater, uh, I think, are ridiculous. This is just Tom Cruise so sitting, annoying. sitting being himself saying, guys, you came to saw the movie we made. We made this movie for you to have fun. We made it for you. We want you to enjoy it. Thank you. For Do you think he right. did that as kind of a fuck you to his ex-wife in a way? <laughs> I don't think that's his style, but it would be funny if it was. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>